Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome into the Reds Hot Stove League with the Cowboy Jeff Brantley. I am Tommy Thrall. It is great to be with you. We were going to have an interview with Nick Crawl, but unfortunately, because the game went a little long today, uh, we are not going to have time for that, but we will have Derek Johnson on with us in the uh, second half of the show. So uh, certainly a lot to talk about today. Cowboy, it was announced that the uh, Reds rotation through the first five games uh, will feature Tyler Malley starting the opener. Raver San Martin will go game two. Vladimir Gutierrez will be the third starter. And then Hunter Green will start that fourth and final game in Atlanta. Certainly exciting if you're a Reds fan to get to see Hunter Green pitch, and then he will pitch again in uh, L.A. against the Dodgers. He will not make that game two start against the Guardians in Cincinnati. Tyler Malley will start the first game. The Reds will use a different starter, just TBA right now on who that will be. But but nonetheless, very exciting. Yeah, I, I think it's fun for Reds fans. Uh, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of promise uh, regarding Hunter Green over the last few years. I, I think more than anything else, um, it, it's got to be a, a great sense of accomplishment for Hunter Green and, and his family and just having that, you know, that, that time where you go in and the manager says you're making the ball club and you're pitching in game three uh, or game four, whichever game that it is, and, and you've got to, I mean, that's a, that's a great great honor and it's a great emotional time for Hunter Green and I'm glad that, that the Reds did that early but that way he can get over all of the emotions and return to, to work and to business because by the time he gets to, to that start the night before it's going to be tough sleeping uh, it's going to be a lot of emotions going into that ball game and he's got to he's got to pull all that together to be able to execute the Los Rojos exhibit is now open at the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum presented by Dinsmore this new exhibit gives fans an in-depth look at the significant role Latin America has played in the history of the Reds in Major League Baseball plus don't forget kids 12 and younger can explore the museum for free thanks to the HCS Foundation plan your next trip to the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum with family and friends by visiting RedsMuseum.org we continue on the Reds Hot Stove League next on the Reds Radio Network Into the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. With the Cowboy Jeff Brantley, I am Tommy Thrall. Cowboy, it was announced yesterday that the other piece, the player to be named later piece of the Winker Suarez trade, uh, is actually right-handed pitcher Connor Phillips. Now he is one of was one of the Mariners' top prospects. This is a guy that was a second-round pick. Had originally slated to go to LSU out of high school, instead went to a junior college in Texas. And even though he really didn't play much in the uh, coronavirus, the the COVID-shortened season of 2020, 
uh, he still became a second-round pick. I mean, this is a guy that the Reds seem to be very, very high on. Yeah, I think when you look at the arm motion of Connor Phillips, it it should tell you a little bit about his, his arm action. You see the velocity. He's mid-90s guy. Uh, he's still going to have to learn how to locate those pitches, how to how to understand the the rotation of your pitches to certain batters, and how you've got to locate and change speeds, and uh, all of that is just from from repetition and going through the minor leagues. But the one thing that you can't teach is that arm slot and and the velocity that comes out. And he looks, you know, just just looking at him from a, a video standpoint. Uh, very aggressive pitcher. Uh, he likes his fastball, which is a, a plus in my mind in, in any point in time. And you just hope that, that he's able to develop. And, and that's really how you work with, with A-ball guys and below. You're hoping that they can get to double A and then you've got something to work with. And, and he is. Right now he's probably going to be a high A guy this year. Had just barely made it to high A last year. Had been in low A. Made one start at high A. So, Probably high A uh, if things go really, really well. Maybe there's a chance he could get to double A, but that's probably being a little ambitious. But uh, Connor Phillips is the final piece of the Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez trade, one of the Mariners' top prospects coming over uh, in that trade as the player to be named later. Coming up, sit down with Reds pitching coach Derek Johnson. We get into the rotation a little bit. We'll talk some bullpen as well. Always plenty to talk about when it comes to a conversation with Derek Johnson. The Reds Hot Stove League is always presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF continues next on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back to the Reds Hot Stove League. It's time to visit now with uh, Reds pitching coach Derek Johnson. And, and DJ, this is uh, it's kind of been an interesting camp in that it's shortened for one. Uh, and I guess we'll start there, but you also have a couple of guys that you're really counting on being in the rotation that it looks like aren't going to be available first time through. So let's start with the shortened camp. And it seems like pitching is where that really comes into play. How has that affected how you try to get these guys ready for the season? I'm every every single thing, it's a, it's affected really. So, uh, you, you know, going into normal camps, you, you sort of have a template that you follow. Um, you know, certainly you're trying to individualize it based on where guys are at or, or whatever. Um, you, you know, and that's what we did here, except it's just a, sort of an extreme event, right? We've got basically half the time, um, you know, we, we sort of had a – it was – they agreed and we had four days to get going. And, you know, so there was just a lot of things that happened very quickly. Um, you know, and so so our first step was really trying to do as good a job as we can't could to understand, like, what what those guys did in the off season, what those guys did leading up to our camp. And once we found that out, then it was, was trying to, to just stay as, as uh, on point as we could – in terms of building them up because, uh, you know, we, we don't have a lot of depth to begin with. Um, and, and with that being said, like we have to keep the guys that we have here in camp healthy and so far, knock on wood, we've done okay. Um, and, and we're just continuing to talk with them a lot, a lot of communication between them. How are they feeling? Do they need an extra day? Um, you know, doing a good job of managing, you know, keeping track of pitch counts and things like that to where we are literally trying to do it by pitch. Um, so that that's that's where we're at. You mentioned not being able to communicate with those guys. How how big of a factor was that, and and how often are you communicating with guys in a normal off season? Yeah, pretty often. I mean, especially you're leaving them alone, 
you know, really their first uh, month or so. I mean, that's their decompression time. They're getting away from the game. They're not really training yet. By December 1st, most of them are throwing. Ironically, we got locked out from this whole thing on, de- on December 1st. So, you know, really the time that we spend from December until, you know, until camp, um, we're in touch with them a, a really good bit. And, um, you know, and so that, that was tough. We, we obviously we couldn't communicate um, and we really had no idea. It was just sort of a blind screening of, you know, until, until they, they, uh, they figured the thing out. Tyler Malley has been named the opening day starter, and it, it seems like every year he just takes another step forward. Uh, he's looked good in camp so far. Are, are you seeing some things that, that give you confidence that heading into this season he's ready to take another step forward this year? Tyler's such a pro in, in just every area um, you know, of his training. I mean, he takes care of everything. He's very detail-oriented. So, you know, it's not surprising when you're seeing a kid like him who works the way he does and as meticulous as he is, you know, you're, you're not surprised when they keep getting better. Um, and and that's, that's what he is. I mean, he's just a guy that you never have to worry about what kind of throwing he's doing or what he's doing in the weight room or, or any of that. Like, he's just a kid. He's really locked in. Um, he does his work. He does it well. And I, I think it's, you know, the last two, three years it's paid off, you know, on the field for him. The fastball command has seemingly always been there. Uh, he, he added that split change. Is there a new wrinkle for him this year? What's what's going to take him to the next step even this year? I think his breaking ball was kind of the thing for us that, that needed to get a little bit better. A lot of it was just throwing it for a strike, too. Um, you, you know, there, there were times last year where it had good shape. He just couldn't land it. Uh, I think he is landing it better. He's got a couple versions of it to where he can make it smaller and a little bit bigger. Uh, which is helpful, especially you know um, against opposite side hitters. Um, now he's got some answers for lefties, the righties. You know, as long as he's been in and away from, he's usually in pretty good shape. So um, the the, break, the breaking ball was probably where we were headed with with our work on him through the winter and in this early spring. Is that fairly common for guys that can can feature a couple of different, basically the same breaking ball, but a couple of different shapes on that? Or does it take a, a special kind of pitcher to be able to do something like that and execute it effectively and consistently? Yeah, what we did is we, we tried to understand kind of the way his hand worked through the ball and then, you know, come up with solutions for him to make it bigger and smaller. Um, and that that's really, he's done a nice job of that. He understands how to do it. Um, and you, you know, not everyone can, so you'd have to say it's uncommon, but, uh, at the same time, like we, we were very individual in nature trying to get that to him. Um, and he's done a nice job with it. We're visiting with Reds pitching coach, Derek Johnson. The conversation continues in a moment. You're listening to the Reds hot stove league presented by the Holy Grail banks, Budweiser and UDF on the Reds radio network. Welcome back to the Hot Stove League. It's always presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. Continuing our chat with Reds pitching coach Derek Johnson. We are talking about Tyler Malley. He's going to be the Reds' opening day starter. Let's continue with the rotation. A couple of guys that aren't going to be available. Luis Castillo won't be there first time around. Mike Miner, it sounds like, in all likelihood, won't be available the first time through the rotation either. So that opens up two extra spots. There, were already, there was already one spot really open uh, how are you guys looking at, at, at filling that? You've got the two rookies, Lodolo and Green, already in camp. They were both competing for the fifth spot. But do you have to take into account that those two guys are going to be back and Miner and 
uh, Castillo and how that might impact whoever ends up making the rotation? Are those factors? Yeah, they have to be. And, and you know, thankfully we're, we're making those decisions as a group and, you know, we're, we're, we're putting all of our, uh, the, the people that work with that, you know, whether it's our front office or manager, um, there's a lot of people who have, have ideas about, you know, what we should be doing that way. So that's comforting. I mean, um, doesn't fall on any one person's shoulders. Uh, w- with that, I mean, you, you know, those two guys are behind. Thankfully, they're not hurt or hurt seriously. They're behind. So we do expect that they're going to be out there sometime fairly soon. Um, I think it's cool, though. Uh, on the other side of it is, you know, these younger guys who who are big league prospects who we do feel like are going to be pitching in the big leagues really soon, you, you know, that, that gives them an opportunity. And, uh, you know, to me, that's what we've all kind of waited for. You know, we've waited for the Hunter Green. We've waited for the Nick Lodolo. Um, you know, and, and the time is, is here to, to possibly do that. So I'm excited about the idea of that. I think, um, you know, the, the youth part of it, um, doesn't scare me because I think both of them are pretty good. Um, you know, we do have some other options with that as well. Gutierrez has been around, you know, last year, and we expect that he's going to contribute that way as well. Tony Santiana has been a starter uh, in the past, and, you know, trying to figure out kind of what we're doing with Tony is as well. Um, Ryber San Martin, um, you know, this little lefty that just keeps getting everyone out. So, you know, I, I do feel like we're covered sort of either way. Um, and, you know, that gives us the chance to get it right with Louie and get a chance, you know, to get it right with Mikey as well. Uh, with Hunter, it, everybody knows he can throw 102 miles an hour. But you still have to be able to pitch. It seems like he's making strides in that. And in talking to him, he seems to really understand the value of not throwing your hardest fastball on every pitch. Are, are you seeing that growth, too? And, and how are the secondary pitches coming along from him? Cause it sounds like that's going to be the difference maker. You know, I, I really like his changeup, which is a fairly new pitch for him. Um, I, I think his breaking ball is pretty good. At times it's elite, and obviously we have the elite fastball, too. Um, Hunter's done a nice job in camp. He's gotten to two strikes really well. Um, he's learning how to finish at bats. Um, I think you know he'll take another step with that as well. Um, I, I'm impressed with him. I think he's mature for his age. I think he's a kid who thinks deeply about what he's trying to do. He's coming up with a process for himself. Um, you know, which which a kid his age, you know, they're not always thinking that way. So um, I think he's a really special talent. I think he's a really special kid. Uh, you know, Nick on the other side of that, same thing, right? Like he's this 24-year-old guy who's almost mature beyond his years, Some, you know, a kid that pounds the zone, left-handed, he's big. Um, he's worked on his craft as well. I mean, he's throwing a, another pitch. I think it's helping him with righties. Um, he's got the good breaking ball. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm excited about those guys. I think it's, you know, don't care how young they are. I feel like we can, you know, we can help them and they can help us. When you're evaluating young players, and you've been on every side of the the professional pitching spectrum all the way down to the college ranks, is there a moment when you're looking at a young pitcher and you think, yep, he's ready? Is there something that clicks and you see it you go, yeah, yeah, this guy's ready to get guys out in the big leagues? I I wish there was. I I don't think there is. I mean, for for me, you know, readiness, um, I think they have to be mature mature enough to handle it. Um, Are they ever truly ready? Not until they get there. Um, and once they get there, then you have to figure out where their holes are, you know, what we have to plug up, what we can do now, what we have to wait, you know, for a rainy day or, or whatever you call it. Um, 
but I, I think the, the maturity is a big piece of the readiness. Like, are they going to be able to handle it if, you know, things don't go well for them? Um, you know, is it going to be a crash and burn kind of thing? And I, I think both of those kids are equipped for that. Um, you know, and then that's obviously part of our job, too. You know, whether that's David as the manager or, or me as the pitching coach, but just our group in general of coaches, I mean, that is our job is to kind of help, you know, those younger guys survive and get through the tougher times. And, you know, I, I think we're well equipped to do that. The bullpen was a, kind of a weakness of this team last year. I, I look at it on paper. Now it's not set yet, but as you kind of look at the names that are starting to fill out, the guys that you imagine being in the bullpen, I could imagine it being a little better than it was a year ago. Are you seeing the same thing? Are you pretty encouraged about the way the bullpen's coming together? I, I feel that way. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing is you look at guys like Jeff Hoffman, who, you know, was maybe a, a little inconsistent at times. You, you know, he looks like a different pitcher right now. He looks like he's very comfortable doing what he's doing. His stuff is working really well. Um, you know, so that's encouraging. You have a, a guy like Tony Santheon you know, who was kind of a, a guy that was a starter that we brought into the bullpen. It felt like it was a great role for him. It felt like it was a good transition. Um, you know, you see that and you say that's a, a step better probably than what he was last year. Um, you know, Sessa is, is a guy who's been around. He knows how to pitch. Feels like, you know, he's a guy that can solidify it. Um, Justin Wilson's come in. He's in great shape. He's got a, another pitch. Um, you know, and it just feels to me like there's l those little steps that you can't always see in front of you, you know, as you're going through some of that. And now they're on the other side of it and you're going, okay, this kid is better. Uh, and this kid does have a chance to help us more maybe than what he did last year because he was in a new role. It was a different environment or, or whatever. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by it. Um, you know, every pen, has its moments one way or the other. We have to figure out kind of roles and or just places in the ballgame that we'd want to fit guys in. Um, but it feels to me like we have a few options, and that's, you know, that's a good thing at this point. I think when you look at the Brewers, you always have to admire the way that they're able to shorten a game. Do you, do you get a little excited when you see a guy – and you know Lucas Sims is coming back. You've got Hunter Strickland. But, but a guy like Tony Santian, who, who seemingly – when the need's not there for him to be that long guy, uh, hopefully after the starters get stretched out maybe into a, a month or so into the season, that maybe you can kind of envision that type of game-shortening scenario with your bullpen with three of those guys? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Tony's that kid uh, mentality-wise. You know, I do want him at the end of the game. I think David would say the same. You know, and, and it just feels to me like there's a, a, a real amount of grit there. Um, you know, that's how he pitches. It's kind of how he kind of how he acts all the time, really. Um, you, you know, so I, I think from that end, you're looking at, at guys who they want the ball at, at the, the, the back end of the game. You know, you feel really good about their mentality. You feel really good about their stuff. And, you know, getting those last three outs, sometimes it's not easy to do. So um, ho hopefully we have a few options in order to do that. I think right right now we're in pretty decent shape. Mike Miner's a guy that came over in the Amir Garrett trade. You've got some familiarity with him. That seemed to work out really well with Sonny and Wade Miley, both guys that you were familiar with in the past. What is it? What do you like about bringing guys in? And, and, and what's, what's, how much does that connection mean when guys come over and they've already got that familiarity with you and vice versa? 
Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a trust, right? And that that's um, what every coach strives to get with his, his players. Um, and so there's a little bit of a built-in trust there already. You know, he knows me. I know him. Um, we've worked together before. I sort of know his nuances, and, you know, he, he may know mine as, as well. So I, I think from that end, it, it does work well. Um, I know how he moves. I know how he throws the ball. Um, I've seen that guy throw, you know, thousands of pitches, literally, um, whether he was a 15-year-old kid, you know, coming to our camp or whether he was, you know, a freshman, a sophomore, junior in, in college, you know, watching him throw every bullpen. So um, it's comforting or it, it can be comforting, um, you know, and I do feel like I, I have an understanding of who he is and what he can be. Um, certainly he's a little bit older now than what he was back then. Uh, at, at the same time, I still think there's a route there, you know, that that that, that we, we can go after. Derek, appreciate the time. Thanks, as always, and uh, always great to talk pitching with you. Absolutely, man. Thank you. That's Reds pitching coach Derek Johnson. We'll wrap up the Reds Hot Stove League when we come back on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back to the Reds Hot Stove League, wrapping things up. It's always presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. The Reds fell to the A's today, 5-4 to four in Mesa. Uh, Cowboy inching our way toward opening day in Atlanta. Certainly an exciting time as spring training starts to wind down. Yeah, I think anytime you start to get to those last three or four days before your, your first ball game of the year, I, I don't care if you're a veteran or if you're a rookie, that those. Butterflies start, the anxiety, just the excitement. I mean, everything that you play for. And, I mean, this is all fine and good to get getting started in spring training, but everybody's looking forward to day one. No doubt. Red single game tickets are on sale now. Cheer on your red legs when they take on the Cubs, Cardinals, Guardians, and more. Plus, don't miss fireworks Fridays and great giveaways, including a Star Wars Jedi Joey bobblehead, Jonathan India replica jersey, Johnny Bench Funko Pop, and more. For tickets, visit reds.com slash tickets this is our final reds hot stove league of the hot stove season keep in mind the regular season will kick off in atlanta the reds will have an off day on the sixth before they open the season on the seventh against the braves that's all for today thanks for listening for the cowboy jeff brantley our producer engineer dave yitty arm brewster our studio producer the broadcast sheriff dave keaton I'm Tommy Thrall. This has been the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network.